Well, Merry Christmas. Hope you're all enjoying this Christmas weekend. It's great to be with you in worship today. If you are a guest with us today, we want to especially welcome you. And you've joined us in the middle of a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. This is arguably the most famous sermon that Jesus preached. It's very familiar in many of its parts, and particularly this part we're looking at today is well known. And the word that Jesus speaks to us today, quite honestly, couldn't be better timed. There's something about the holidays that doesn't just bring a heightened sense of joy, but also with it a heightened sense of anxiety. On the one hand, we as Christians know that Christ coming into the world means that death and darkness, including the darkness of worry, has been defeated. Yet for many of us, the holiday season brings with it a host of worries, and perhaps this year more so, no thanks to the Omicron variant. While I was looking for gifts online, I came across a meme that said, Christmas, that time of the year where my normal everyday anxiety switches to my fancy festive anxiety that wears a Christmas sweater. Some of you are nodding your head in agreement to that. Others of you just looked at your neighbor, just be nice, we only have a few more hours in the Christmas weekend, we can do it. Let's be nice to each other for the few hours we have left. Now, last week Pastor Tracy looked at the topic of possessions and the danger of serving them as if they were gods. And this week Jesus follows up that discussion with the danger of worrying about our possessions. Jesus knows that the constant and unrelenting cares of daily life will block us from living the way that he describes in the Sermon on the Mount. The theme of the sermon is that Jesus is teaching his disciples how to live in light of the fact that God's kingdom is coming into this world with power. So Jesus calls his disciples, both then and now, to live as people who live humbly upon God, who don't seek to be angry or to live for our pleasure, but instead grow in the love of God and for other people, to love the way of peace, to be people of integrity who keep our word, who are generous in our giving and forgive others because that's exactly how God is towards us. In short, The Sermon on the Mount is about becoming the kind of people who reflect the character of Jesus Christ in every single aspect of our lives. But our concern for stuff often gets in the way of that. And that's what Jesus is addressing here this morning. Just think about that. People will fall away from Jesus' teaching not because they are especially morally bad, but because the aim of their life is to take care of themselves and all the worries that come to us on a day-to-day basis. That's what is on their minds that distracts them from the kingdom. Now, Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't be taking care of our lives or those things in our lives that we're responsible for or those that we have to take care of. He's not saying that. Rather, he's addressing the heart issue of how our heart gets entangled to the cares of this life and the worries of this life, so much so that we fail to grow as people who reflect his character in this world. 
So this morning, I want to ask you, what is on your mind? What are the worries that are on your mind? I like that phrase a lot, what is on your mind, because it provides an image in which our minds are in some ways like tables that we put things on. So as we get into this passage this morning, I want to do a little experiment with you. I want to I want you to picture your mind as a table. Maybe think of a particular table in your home. If you're watching at home, maybe the table that you're right in front of now. And I want you to think of all the things that take up space in the table of your mind. Maybe there's a credit card or medical bill, a new work project that's consuming your energy. Maybe there's a mask because you either hate wearing it or it represents your worries about the virus. Maybe it's college applications, bills from the mechanic for your car, job postings. Maybe it's presents you can't wait to return that you received yesterday. Or maybe photos with faces of loved ones, homework assignments. What are the cares of your life that make you sigh deeply? What are the worries in your life that keep you up at night. Can you picture the table? Can you picture all the things on that table? Now I want you to imagine that as you're looking at all these things, I walk up next to you and I start to tinker with them. I pick up the credit card bill, I look closely at the family photos, I pick up the work project, And I say to you, don't be anxious about your life. I can see it now. After church, you call your friends and your family, and you say, I used to worry so much, but Andrew, that assistant pastor, he says, not to worry about it anymore. It's all going to be just fine. Well, I probably wouldn't do much to ease your anxiety, As well as intention as my charge might be, I I really don't want you to be anxious. I really don't have the power to to take care of all that's on your mind. In fact, nobody does. And here's what I mean. Let's suppose your mechanic calls and tells you, don't worry about your car, we'll be able to fix it. Or you say, I'm finally in a healthy relationship that feels more satisfying or you start to get along better with your boss at work. All these things may be wonderful, but do they actually remove your cares from your life, or do they just create new ones? Your car is fixed, but is it worth it to keep now? Your job is better for now, but what if your boss changes? You're in a healthy relationship now, But how long will that really last? You see, we'll always find new worries to replace our old worries, don't we? And worry feels like we're actually doing something. But as we know from experience and from what Jesus says, it actually does nothing to add to our lifespan. So it's not hard to see how our minds get filled with the cares of this life And when that happens, how we fail to pursue the kingdom that God calls us to, 
His kingdom falls away in the background because we can't even get up from the table of worries in our life. This morning, Jesus offers us another way to do life. So I want to look at this passage and I want to see three life-changing lessons Jesus has for us about the cares of our lives and how we relate to them. First, we're going to see how Jesus knows our worries. Secondly, how our Father provides for our needs. And third, how Jesus points our ambition to the Father's kingdom. So the first lesson we see is this. Jesus knows our worries. Three times in our passage, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Now, most of us have been on the receiving end of that advice about how, not, how we're not to be anxious about something, and well-intentioned people say this all the time, but no one knows your worries like you do. And most people who say don't worry about your life or don't be anxious don't know what it's like for you to have those worries and can't resolve them. But the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who is saying these words is what makes all the difference. Christmas reminds us that Jesus is God with us. And at the end of the Matthew, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we learn that Jesus who was born of Mary, crucified and raised from the dead, he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now because Jesus is fully God, he stands uniquely in a position to say to all of us, don't be anxious about your life. This is what the prophet Isaiah says about who God is. He says that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. To God, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and they were regarded as dust on the scales. Grasshoppers, droplets of water, specks of dust, This is how all the endeavors of people and nations size up to God. This is how they all size up to Jesus Christ. So Jesus is able to look down on all the cares of your life on that table, and he says to you, don't be anxious about your life, neither your present troubles nor your future troubles. As God... Jesus knows our worries and cares, and they will never fall beyond his sovereign care. But Jesus also knows our worries as someone who is fully human. You know, we've been focused on Jesus' words for the past several months, that it's easy to forget that the one who speaks these words will have to wrap up his sermon sometime soon and find a bite to eat, that as Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of heaven, that he does so with dust on his feet and dirt on his tunic, he will have to come down from the mountain and find a way to meet his own needs as a human. Jesus speaks as one who is completely vulnerable to the deepest troubles of life. He was homeless. He got hungry. He had to pay taxes. His friends betrayed him. He was physically abused. He was mocked. His family rejected him. He was not free from any of these problems. In fact, 
He was even subjected to the most vulnerable and most frightening death, death on the cross. And what a gruesome death that was. Now think about this. What are all our cares and what are all our worries ultimately about in our life? Why do we worry about food or drink or clothing or money? When you get down to the root of all our cares, isn't it all about protecting life? Or to put it another way, aren't they all about preventing death? Jesus Christ, the only human who defeated death, stands next to you and looks at all the cares of the table in your life and he says, I know them well. I know them all too well. And I've made it through on the other side of every single human trouble. And I say to you, do not be anxious about your life. As God, he can look down at all your cares and assure you not to be anxious because he knows them from beginning to end. And as a human, he could stand next to you and look at your troubles and say, I know what this is like and I have defeated all your troubles once and for all. But now I want you to consider this. Only Jesus, who is God and human, knows what it's like to look at all your troubles through your own eyes. He can perceive your troubles as you perceive them. And because he sees your troubles just as you experience them, he is able to get down into the tiniest crevices and grooves of your worry between your thoughts and between your breathing. Christ is in you and he is able to assure you, not just relate to you, because he's the only other person who knows just how these cares affect you personally. And he says to you, don't be anxious about your life. When other people tell us don't worry, it's advice to help us feel better. But when Jesus Christ says, says to you don't be anxious, it's a statement of his authority over all of life. Now, if deep down our trust is for certain outcomes for our life, and that's what will produce calm in our lives, then it will only be a matter of time until we are anxious again. But if our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are here this morning and your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can be assured that whatever makes us anxious about our lives will not win the day. The German theologian Hans Balthasar gives us this powerful reminder Anxiety is one of the authorities, powers, and dominions over which the Lord triumphed on, on the cross and which he carried off captive and placed in chains to make use of as he wills. Jesus Christ has defeated all anxieties. And as we get into 2021 and head into 2022, rather, with all the ups and downs that may come in your life on a global scale or on a personal scale, we are always free to embrace the truth before us that Jesus knows our worries and that he has overcome them. And thank God, it is not our believing that makes it true, 
Rather, it's a fixed truth we are free to embrace time and time again. That's the first lesson. Jesus knows our worries. Now for the second. Our Father knows our needs. Jesus observes the Father's care over creation. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you of much more value than they? Verse 28, Consider the lilies of the field and how they're beautifully adorned. Not even Solomon was clothed as gloriously as they are. Verse 30, If God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We already said that Jesus is able to see our worry through our own eyes, but he invites us to look at the world through his eyes in these statements. And what does he see when Jesus looks out into the world? That God provides for his creation with abundance. Maybe you've never said this aloud, but there were times when you thought, I have that degree, or I have that training, I have that title, I have a family, now, now I will be okay. But do you still end up worrying? What Jesus says about God's creation humbles us. He wants our sense that we are cared for to be based on God's provision, not on our performance. Jesus says, look at any tree and examine the perched little birds. Better yet, get down and look at the blades of grass around you because from the sky to the ground, it is God who is taking care of all things. Or maybe you get on the if-only hamster wheel. You can feel hopeless about things in your life. You say, if only I were better educated. If only I were more respected. If only I had more access to resources. Then, then I'd have the life I dreamed of. If only I could just get ahead. Then I would be secure. Then what Jesus says here brings us great hope. Because we could put that all aside. He says to us, can you find a tree and see how the birds have food in their nests? Can you pause for a moment and focus on some wild flowers or patches of grass? God has it all in his care. And aren't you of much more value than they are? Jesus wants us to be free from this tug of war. If only I could just pull a bit more to myself, then I would be really secure. That is an endless rope, and that is a never-ending war that you will endure in your life. So, so Jesus wants us to see that God will provide what his children need to live as his disciples in this world. There is no if-only accomplishment out there that will quiet our anxiety about our security. We need only to study the creation of the world to know that God does care for all things and he's been doing so since the beginning of time. Now, maybe this sounds like flowery, wishful thinking or like Jesus is teaching us to keep our heads in the clouds. But what Jesus does by calling our attention to birds and the flowers and the grass 
is to remind us that God has made a covenant with his creation. He is the creator who cares for the smallest of creatures each and every day, and he does so faithfully. He gives the birds their food. He takes care of his creation beautifully. He robes the flowers of the field. God has made a, crea- made a covenant with creation, and he will provide for it each and every day. And that's what we heard in our Old Testament reading earlier. From the grass of the fields to the clouds in the heavens and everything in between, God is the caretaker of all creatures, both great and small. And he even cares more so for you. Now, is Jesus saying we don't have to work? Is Jesus encouraging us just to sit back? Well, in the Bible we see that work is actually a gift from God. In fact, it's even an act of worship to God. No, what Jesus teaches us actually challenges us to look at work very differently. Our work and our efforts are the means that God uses to preserve the life of his creation, but it is not the cause of it. It is God's covenant that keeps our needs met. That all our various needs to live are met when we work the ground beneath our feet, so to speak, is a sign to us as Christians that our work joins God's faithfulness to provide for his creation. Here's what I mean. If you work in a restaurant, you're a waiter, God is using you to sustain the life of his children. If you are a doctor, you're applying medicine derived from God's created world to bring healing. If you are a contractor, you build shelter for people who bears God's image. Whatever work you do is the means God uses to care for his creation in many, many ways. So what that does is that changes our motivation to work not from a sense of anxiety or fear, but rather from the joyous security that God truly does provide for us. How different would your work experience be if you believe that behind your work, God is meeting the needs of this world and meeting your needs? Less than a year after Jessica and I bought our home and our first daughter was born, here comes one of them down the aisle ever so faithfully. (laughs) The vice president of the company came into my office one day and he told me, we're going to be shutting down the work site. I know you just had a baby and I know that you purchased a home. I just wanted to share this news with you as soon as possible. Well, when he had shared that with me, I was very shocked and disappointed. And I don't know if this was a reflex or truly a statement of my faith, but I said to him, I know that God will provide. And the next thing I know, he had a shocked look on his face. And he said to me, I wish that mindset were more common. You see, that experience of losing my job at a critical moment in my life taught me that for nearly two years, Every check I deposited may have had that company's name on it, but behind it all was God's gracious hand to meet my needs. And I realized that I didn't take that company's name to meet my needs and that God will provide another way. That same God will provide other work to provide for my family. 
because he is good and gracious and he cares for us more than the birds, more than the flowers of the field. So the Father knows our needs. That's our second lesson. Now here's the third. Jesus points our ambition to the Father's kingdom. When Jesus uses the word seek in verses 32 and 33, he gives this idea of a strong pursuit, like an athlete running for a gold medal. Our cares reveal our ambitions in life, what our life is pointed at. And Jesus warns us not to be like the Gentiles who are trying to find security in our possessions. Our worries act as winds that push our lives in directions that we don't want to go to. And if we aren't aware, they can push us in ways that God doesn't want us to go to either. There's an underlying belief about our possessions that continues to fuel our anxieties. And it's this, that if all these cares that I can think of are well-managed, then a stress-free life is around the corner. Isn't that what we tell ourselves? If only I could take care of this, that, and the other thing, find solutions for these things, then I would finally have a life in order. But I want you to think about this. If your life is driven by all these cares, then at the very best, your life will be about how well you manage these cares of your life. That would be your reward. And that's at best. At worst, life will be spent keeping up with all the cares. And in the end, a life full of cares, whether well managed or not, is still a life full of cares and worries. We will remain seated at the table with all these cares rather than on the pathway to God's kingdom. And we're going to miss out at the life Jesus calls us to live. So Jesus turns the tables on us. He says, if you want these worries taken care of, you must pursue the Father's kingdom first. On the most practical level, what that means is this. Our time, our gifts, and our resources are fundamentally about helping us grow in the love of God and for one another. A disciple to Jesus Christ is always asking, how can I better reflect the character of Jesus in my various callings? This is the heartbeat of discipleship to Jesus. And when we make that our focus, God promises to take care of the rest. But not only that, when we make that our focus, God's kingdom and God's righteousness, the cares of our life start to look very, very differently. How so? Well, when things go well in life, we can be thankful. Some of the cares that are on your mind right now, God will enable you to address them or provide for them uh, and, or will help you come to a resolution and there will be much to be grateful for. That will be true of those, some of those cares in your life. But when things work against you in life, you can be patient. There will be cares in your life that will remain there for a long time. And maybe they will never be resolved in this life. I think all of us have those. But 
God's Spirit will work patience in your heart to bear them so that even in the midst of things in your life that are unresolved, you can still experience peace in the midst of them. And no matter what experiences you have in your life, God promises us this. In Jesus Christ, nothing will ever separate us from his love. Nothing ever will. At Christmas, we remember this fundamental truth that just as in the person of Jesus, God and humanity are joined together in perfect unity, never to be separated, so neither will God's children ever be separated from his love. His love will triumph over all our worries. And this is the hope that we have, not just for today, but for tomorrow and for the coming years as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you never fail to care for your creation and that you never fail to care for us, your children. Thank you that through Jesus Christ we can rest from our anxieties. And though we have many problems in our life, by the help of your spirit we can seek first your eternal kingdom that will never pass away and that you will triumph over all our troubles. Through your strong name we pray. Amen.